Now we invite you to take your Bible, and our Bible reading tonight is found in the book of Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts, and Acts chapter 6. Church was knowing the blessing of the Lord, and then a problem arose among the widows. They were being neglected, and the answer to the spiritual problem and the need in any church is spiritual men. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look you out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmelius, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. When they had laid their, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines, and Cyrenians, and Alexandrians, and of them of Cilicia, and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he speak. And they suburb men, false men, false witnesses, which said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council. And they set up false witnesses which said, This man <coughs> ceaseth not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and change the custom which Moses delivered us. And all that sat in the council, looking steadfastly on him, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. Amen. And we know the Lord would bless the reading of his holy, inspired, and earned word to all of our hearts. Let's stand together for prayer, please. <coughs> Our gracious God and eternal Father in heaven, we thank thee for the hymns we've been singing. Thank thee for your precious word which we have read. We thank thee for the tithes and the offerings that thy people have brought. Pray this money be used for the extension of thy kingdom. We pray, our Lord, now as we come with thy precious and fallible word in our hand, that the blessed Holy Spirit, who is the author of the book, will draw strings in thee. We pray, Lord, you'd brood over our gathering, close us in with thyself, Lord, give us something of that experience the disciples had as they walked on the Emmaus road. <coughs> give us something of that experience when you went into the home in Emmaus 
and made yourself known to them in the breaking of bread. Oh, we pray, Lord, that we will testify as they did, that our hearts burned within us because Jesus met with us and talked with us by the way. Lord, we pray that we'll know a blessed time around your word. We pray that thou will come and encourage each of our hearts. Lord, we have all of our problems. We have difficulties. But Lord, we thank you of a great God. And we rejoice that his grace is sufficient. And his strength is made perfect in weakness. We commit our meeting to thee. Commit ourselves to thee, Lord. And we pray that the Savior will be uplifted and glorified. We ask in Jesus' precious and wonderful name. Amen. Amen. We invite you again to take your Bible and we're going to the book of Acts once more. This time, a little few more verses we want to read in chapter 7. The book of Acts, chapter 7, we have read from chapter 6. Now we want to read some verses in chapter 7, verse 54. This is the Sanhedrin Council. They have listened to the young deacon. Stephen, and it says, And when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven, and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing on the right hand of God, and said, Behold, I see the heavens open, and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading again of his precious word to all of our hearts. Last year I had the opportunity of spending some time in our churches in England. down in Tavistock, way down near Plymouth there. And uh, the church had been meeting in the school for, I think, some 28, 29 years. But when I was there, they withdrew the services and they wouldn't permit the use of the school. But the church were very fortunate. They had a hall, a girls' guide hall, and it's in the very centre of the town of Tavistock. It's near the bus station. And the people are meeting there. And they started to meet last Easter and uh, do pray for that church. But in the same year, I had the opportunity of speaking in Lewis. Now, Lewis is a very interesting time. It's just six miles from Brighton. It is interesting that it has many antique shops. And you people who like antiques, you'll enjoy visiting those shops and seeing them. There are no fast food places. You can't, no McDonald's, and that didn't suit me. There was no <laughs> Kentucky Fried, and that was even worse. But, that's how, but we managed. But the Tesco's is just at the speed limit. And so there's nothing modern in Lewis. And uh, the month I was there was June and I was invited to speak at a commemoration service. And then I knew little about this. There were 30 people, of course, killed in the 
area of Gloucester, uh, Sussex rather, and in this little town of Lewis, there were uh, 15 men and two ladies who were burnt at the stake. And their only crime was that they loved the Bible. And they wouldn't have anything to do with the Mass. They wouldn't have anything to do with the Rosary. They were saved people. They loved the Lord. They loved the things of the Lord. But they loved their Bible. And uh, there is this commemoration uh, committee set up. And on the, the Wednesday nearest, the 26th of June, they have this commemoration service. They meet up on a hill, first of all. There's a big monument there with the names of those who were martyred for their faith. And then afterwards, uh, we had an evening service at half past seven in the town hall. The town hall uh, at that particular time back in uh, 1557 was a pub. It was known as the Stag Inn. And uh, there the people were capped the night before who were going to be martyred the next day. We had a look round the place, round the cellar where they lay and tried to sleep the night before. The next morning they were taking up these old concrete steps, really stone steps, out onto the high street. And there they were burnt, 15 men and two women. And every year, the Wednesday that falls nearest the 22nd, because on the 22nd of the year of our Lord, 1557, those 17 people were martyred for their faith. And people are still being martyred. There's those tonight in various parts of the world, in communist Arab countries, communist-controlled countries, and the Islamic countries, and particularly at this moment in Ukraine. There are many, many people, many believers, who are suffering for their faith. I thought about those 15 people who gave their lives way back then in 1557. Then I thought about the first Christian martyr. That's who we've been reading about tonight. His name was Stephen. There was a problem had arisen in the church in Jerusalem and it was over the daily administration. In those days there was no welfare state. The church took care of her own. And these widows who were in need, uh, the church made provision for them. And there was those that spoke the Greek language, there was others that spoke the Hebrew language, and there was this um, division among them, and this situation had arisen where the church was called together, and the disciples who were going to give themselves to prayer and to the minister of the word called this congregational meeting, and they told them what they needed was seven deacons. And there were only two offices in the church, the office of elder, and the office of deacon. The minister, of course, is the teaching elder. And there's the New Testament knows nothing about canons and about other things that there are today in the churches. But in that time, seven men were elected. And we'll note that they had have a particular qualification. It says in uh, chapter 6 that the, it was put to the congregation and it said, Wherefore, brethren, look you out among you, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost, whom we may appoint, and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. So it is the elder's job to take care of the spiritual well-being of the church. It's the deacon or the committee man's 
responsibility to take care of the financial state of the church. And that's what was happening here. And you'll notice the first man to be elected, the first man with the necessary qualification, was this man called Stephen. Verse 5, Acts 6, verse 5. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. Now, as you read through the chapter, I hope you noted the little word full, not F-O-O-L. No foolish people and carried up, all wise from the east. And there was, there was, this man was full, full of faith. And we want to just draw your attention to that tonight. I want us to think of the qualifications of the first man in the New Testament who was martyred for the faith. After him, of course, there was James, the son of thunder, the brother of John, and there were others who died for the cause and for their Lord and Savior. I want you to notice, first of all, that this man was full of faith. The scripture tells us there that was one of the qualifications. He had to be a man full of faith. And it says at verse 5, And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith. Verse 8, And Stephen full of faith. Let me put it to the meeting tonight that first of all, that Stephen had accepting faith. He was, he believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, he was a sinner, but he came under the influence of the gospel. And he realized his need of being saved. And he knew the only way to be saved was by faith alone in Christ alone for the glory of God. And so he had accepting faith. He accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, today there's much misunderstanding about who or what a Christian is. That's a word that's greatly misused in our country. A Christian is one who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. A Christian is one who belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. A Christian is one who behaves in such a way that brings glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. So Stephen had accepting faith. He accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as a Savior. And that's how you and I got saved. That's, for me, it was way back in June 1953. Just a young man leaving school, going out into the world, and thinking of all that this world had to offer me, even way back then, which is over 60 years ago. So, I'm an old fellow. I was, had the opportunity last year and being in Kenya. And we were addressing the boys and girls. There was 700 uh, students there. And I was trying to get it across to them how the Lord Jesus saves and keeps and satisfies. And uh, I was trying to tell them the law, how long the Lord had kept me. And Margaret Russell, she was interpreting for me. And I asked them, how old do you think I am? And there was silence. And then this cry went up, many, many, many. You've lived many years. <laughs> that was how they saw me. But back in 1953, I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. The word to believe and the word receive are interchangeable in our Bible. Do you remember the Philippian jailer asked Paul and Silas, what must I do to be saved? And both of them, sometimes we say Paul, but the Bible tells us Paul and Silas said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. 
And then we find that the Lord Jesus came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power of the authority to become the sons of God. Those of us tonight who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ are saved. We are Christians. Maybe there's some in the meeting. I don't know you all personally, but as possible as one here as yet, and you haven't received the Lord Jesus Christ. He loves you. He died on the cross for you. And how we ought to put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. So we see this man, Stephen, full of faith. First of all, I'm saying to the meeting tonight that he had accepting faith. He had accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and as his Savior. And that's my prayer for everyone in the meeting, that each of you will exercise faith and have your faith and your trust in the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But not only did he have accepting faith, you will notice that he had achieving faith. It says in verse 8, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Here's this man that had achieving faith. He saw things done for his Lord. We have a great, wonderful and glorious Savior, one who answers our prayers. You might say, well, I haven't seen too much done. Hasn't the Lord answered your prayers? What a miracle. Isn't it? The great miracle is that the Lord has taken us out of the devil's family, put us into the family of God. What a miracle that is. You know, God's people should be the happiest people on earth. Our sins are forgiven. Christ is with us in the present, and heaven is our home. The Lord Jesus told his disciples to rejoice that their names were written in heaven. Wonderful to know that our name is in heaven. Good to have it in the church roll down here. But what a blessing it is to know that it's written in the Lamb's book of life, never to be erased, never to be removed. The Lord gives unto his sheep eternal life, and they shall never perish. This man, Stephen, saw things achieved. He saw things done for his Lord. But I want you to notice also that he had attractive faith. There was something about this man that was different. He's brought before this Sanhedrin council, 70 learned men, and there he's been on trial. They bring in these false accusations. They bring in uh, false witnesses to testify against him. And you'll notice what the scripture said in verse 15. And all that sat in the council looking steadfastly on his face, as it had been the face of an angel. Now, I've never seen an angel's face, but I would just know that an angel's face is bright. It's intelligent. There's something different, you see, about the Christian. He has the joy of the Lord, and he's able to sing praises unto his Lord. This man hears on trial for his very life, and we find that the scripture we read there a few moments ago, that his life was brought to an end. They stoned him to death. Notice here that this man had attractive faith. There was something about him that compelled others to take note of him. When I was a young fellow coming home from work, getting off the bus, I used to pass this hall, and there would be meetings in it, and there were two men at the gate, and they're the most miserable-looking critters you ever saw. One of them always kept his hand over his head. I can't reach my ear, but he had his finger in his ear however he did it. Hey, young fella, you don't think of coming into the meeting? I said, oh, no, not tonight. And I thought to myself, I have enough trouble of my own without getting in there with you fellas. But in that very hall, that hall now belongs to our church in Money Slain. But it was in that very hall that I got glorious and wonderful see. 
My dear friends, Jesus makes a difference. Made a difference in Stephen's life. Makes a difference in all of our lives. And so tonight, a Christian is one, like Stephen here, who's full of faith. We have accepting faith. We have achieving faith. And I trust that we have attractive faith. That those that we come in contact will say, I would like what that man has. I would like what that lady has. There's something different about her. There's something different about that man. You see, for Stephen, there was a big difference. He had Christ, and he had the joy of the Lord. He was full of faith. But then I want you to notice something else. Not only was he full of faith, but you'll notice he was full of the Holy Ghost. This was one of the qualifications. An elder and a committee man, they have to be saved. And you can't be saved without knowing the Holy Spirit. Verse 3. Wherefore, brethren, look you out among you seven men of honest report, need to be of honesty to handle the affairs and the finances of the church, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. Notice here that Stephen was full of the Holy Ghost. Just turn over to chapter 7 there. And notice what we read in verse 55. And he being full of the Holy Ghost. First of all, let me put it to the meeting that he was indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Yes, he had come under conviction of sin. He had got converted. But we can't become Christians without the work of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who takes the word of God, shows to us of our need, that we're unsaved, helpless, hopeless, and lost. But the Holy Spirit shows us the Savior. And he gives us repentance to forsake our sin. He gives us faith to embrace the Lord Jesus Christ. And he indwells us. Do you remember that great doctrinal book, the Epistle to the Romans? We read in Romans chapter 8 and verse 9, the necessity of the indwelling of the Spirit. If a man, if a woman, a boy or girl is not indwelt by the Spirit, they're not Christian. Verse 9, Romans 8 verse 9, And ye are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if so be the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. What happened when you got saved? You asked the Lord Jesus into your heart. He came in as you received him by faith. He and dwells us. And we are not our own. We belong to him. Do you remember what's recorded for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6? Where he tells us there at Verse 19, what know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God? Ye are not your own, for ye have been bought with a price. We have been bought with a price. We have been regenerated by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit abides within us. He indwells us. So we're looking at Stephen, a man who is full of the Holy Ghost. He's indwelt by the Spirit. But then I want you to notice he was infilled by the Spirit. He was full of the Holy Ghost. Now the disciples on the day of Pentecost, they met 120 believers in the upper room. And the scripture tells us in Acts chapter 2 verse 4, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with tongues. And the Spirit gave them utterance, gave them, uh, even the people heard in their own dialect, they had the gift of languages. And then we read in chapter 4 that the, the disciples 
had been preaching and teaching and they were told not to preach or teach anymore in the name of Jesus and they went to their own company verse 23 they had a great prayer meeting and it says when they got the report that they weren't to teach or preach anymore they prayed what a prayer meeting they had notice verse 29 and now Lord behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants with all boldness that they may speak the word notice they didn't change ask for a change of location or a change of condition grant our servants boldness to preach a word now notice what it says at verse 31 and when they had prayed the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness notice there beloved these same believers that were filled with the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost some weeks later they're filled again you see that being filled with the Holy Spirit is not a once-for-all experience. We need a daily infilling of the Holy Spirit as we witness for our Lord, as we live for the Lord. We ask Him to fill us with the Holy Spirit for our meeting. We pray for our preacher, and rightly so, that the Lord will fill him with the Holy Spirit. We need to be full of the Spirit to proclaim the Word of God, that it may go forth with power and with blessing. Stephen was full of of the Holy Spirit. Stephen was courageous for his Lord. I mentioned being in Lewis. There was a little man there. He's a, a prison officer, a small man, but oh, he's so courageous. We're having this open air meeting, and just as I was about to speak, these four big men, massive big men, no shirts, tattoos, and they brought out these wind instruments saxophone, trumpet, and, and various wind instruments and they started to play and this wee man got up into the middle and says here here no plan have to wait till this man's done speaking i says oh it'll be all right we'll come back later oh i know he says we have a right to be here and he said to them do you have any authority to be here i have a letter from the council permitting me to be here to have an open air meeting and he says it's illegal for you to lift money and that's what you're doing if you're going to play those instruments you'll have to wait till the preacher's finished. He was courageous for his Lord. I just thought how courageous this man Stephen was. I was saying to him, look, all you men play away, we'll come back and have a open air later. But that was not so with my friend Kevin. Kevin says, we're here. We're the servants of the Lord. We have a right to be here. He was courageous for the Lord. Stephen was courageous for his Lord. He was full of faith. He was full of the Holy Ghost. We've already said that he had accepting faith, he had attractive faith, he had achieving faith, he was full of the Holy Ghost, indwelt by the Holy Ghost. He was infilled by the Holy Ghost. Now how can you and I get infilled by the Holy Spirit? What did the Lord Jesus say? Do you remember the disciples came to him one day and they said, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. And he gave what we call the Lord's Prayer. Really, that's the disciples' prayer. The Lord's Prayer is John's Gospel, chapter 17. But he told them, Ye being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more shall your Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? How do we get full of the Holy Spirit? By asking the Lord. And then we learn also that we have to be obeying the Lord. Acts chapter 5 and verse 32. 
And we are his witnesses of these things, and so also is the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. If we want to know the fullness of the Holy Spirit, brother and sister, we have got to be walking in obedience. Stephen was full of faith, full of the Holy Ghost. But then notice something more, that he was full of wisdom. That was one of the necessary requirements. Verse 5 said, um, sorry, verse 3 read, Wherefore, brethren, look out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. <coughs> Could I put it to you that Stephen had inspired wisdom. This man who was full of wisdom. Verse 10 says, And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. When you go home this evening, you read through chapter 7. Stephen here starts to give a defense of his position. And he takes him, starts off with um, Abraham. And he takes him through the prophets. And he brings them right up to the cross in chapter 7. It says in verse 51, Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart, and ears ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted, and they that have slain them, which show before of the coming of the just one, of whom ye have now been now the betrayers and murderers. He brings them right up to the cross and he said, Christ came unto his own. You refused him, you rejected him, you crucified him. My dear friends, notice that he had inspired wisdom. He knew the book. Most of you, sure all of you, without exception, know our brother, Dr. John Douglas. John Douglas was converted as a boy of eight. And from the day of his conversion to this very present day, he memorizes verses of scripture. He commits them to memory. He knows the book. Brother and sister, you and I need to be acquainted with God's word. We need to hide his word in our heart that we may not sin against him. And so Stephen here had inspired wisdom. But will you notice in chapter 6 verse 10 that he had irresistible wisdom. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he speaks. I've been in many debates where Dr. Paisley would have been debating with Jesuits and various others and intellectual people and learned people, but he couldn't resist him. He knew the Word of God, he knew church history, and he was able to put forth the claims of Christ and bring before those who were antagonistic to him the crown rights of King Jesus. They were not able to resist him. Brother and sister, you and I need to know the book. The Mormon comes to the door. The Jehovah Witnesses comes to the door. We need to have an answer. We ought to be able to give an answer for the hope that lieth within us. We need to have wisdom. We need wisdom in our business. We need wisdom in our homes. We need wisdom in our church. Where can I get wisdom? Well, I go to my Father. For he is wisdom. And the blessed Son of God. And I read in James... These encouraging words, the little epistle of James. He was a brother of the Lord Jesus. And he tells us here in James chapter 1, and he says, verse 5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. Where do we get wisdom from? Our Heavenly Father. He loves us. 
and he knows our needs. And bless God, he meets us at the very point of our need. We need wisdom, brother and sister. And I pray that these characteristics will be evident in your life and mine. That we will be full of faith. We'll be full of the Holy Ghost. Be full of wisdom. One last thought I want you to notice. That Stephen, the first Christian martyr, was full of power. Acts chapter 6, verse 8. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Let me show you that power where Stephen was concerned. Acts chapter 7, those verses that we read together. I want you to notice, first of all, that Stephen had power in his preaching. We've already told you that he brought them right up to the cross. And when they heard him speak like that, they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. He had power in his preaching. That's the great need of the hour. Brother and sister, you pray that our ministers will have power. They'll have the anointing of the Lord. Power in their preaching. Pray for our missionaries that they'll have power. The great need of the hour is for God's people to pray that our preachers will have power. Stephen had power in his preaching. He just turned his eyes away from his accusers. He looked to the Lord and he brought them right up to the cross and he said, Ye are the betrayers, you're the murderers of the Son of God, the just one, the eternal one. You refused him. You rejected him. He had power in his preaching. He had power, secondly, in his persecution. He turns his eyes away from the accuser, looks up to heaven, and it tells us there that he saw the Lord. Verse 56, he said, Behold, I see heavens open, and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Surely the Lord Jesus is seated. Yes, the work is completed. Christ cried, It is finished. He was buried, then he went back to heaven. And he sat down at the right hand of our Father. Calvary's finished. The work of redemption is complete. But I think the Lord Jesus arises and welcomes the saint home. The child of God that dies, he's welcomed into heaven. Stephen here sees the Lord and he's made welcome. Oh, doesn't he say, I'm saying to you, he had power in his persecution. And then lastly, he had power in his praying. Notice there that they're stoning him and he prays. Doesn't he die like our Savior? Dies a champion. And they stoned Stephen, verse 59, calling upon God and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Now notice how he prays for his accusers. As Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Stephen prayed, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. When he had said this, he fell asleep. He had power in his preaching, power in his persecution, and power in his praying. God heard prayer that day. And the man who was keeping the clothes, a young man called Saul, a learned Pharisee, a devout Pharisee, a devout Jew, and God wonderfully saved him on the Damascus Road, became the greatest missionary the world has ever known, the greatest church planter, led more souls to Christ than any other man. God answered the prayers of Stephen. Stephen had power in his preaching. 
Power in his persecution. Power in his praying. Brother and sister, that's what we need. Oh, may it please the Lord to bless us in such a way that these characteristics that the martyrs had, the characteristics that Stephen had, that we too would be full of faith. We too would be full of the Holy Spirit. That we also would be full of wisdom. That we would be full of power. May the Lord bless us. May he make us a blessing. And may we know power and know the blessing of the Lord in our lives. Let's unite our hearts and pray. Loving Father, we thank you, Lord, for the lessons we learn about this young martyr, man who died for his faith. Lord, died a champion. Lord, died in prayer. Oh, we ask thee, Lord, that we will exhibit some of these characteristics, Lord, in some measure that Stephen had, that we would know that measure of faith, that we would know that uh, indwelling and infilling of the Spirit, that we would know that inspired wisdom, that irresistible wisdom, that we would know power in our preaching. We would know power, Lord, in our persecution. When people laugh at us and scorn us and for our young people here, Lord, give them power in the time of when there's those that would mock them and uh, just try to make little of them. Lord, bless them. We ask thee, Lord, you'd give all of us, oh, Father, all of us without exception, power in praying. For we know that prayer moves the hand of God, the one that moves this universe. Father, bless the free church. Bless the church of Jesus Christ throughout the world. And may thy kingdom be extended. We rejoice, Lord, it's thy church. And thou hast said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Lord, build your church. Bless your people. And make us a blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.